Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Good morning. Welcome to Bethel. I'm Chad. I'm the lead pastor here. And just as we start into this series called The Invitation, as we jump into this series, I just want to take a moment and let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, this privilege to come into your house to worship you this morning. And Lord, as we turn our hearts to your scriptures, Lord, I pray that you open up our hearts and our ears to hear your words. Speak to us clearly. I ask you, Father, to hide me behind the cross and let your words be my words. Speak through me today. Lord, we pray for life transformation in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody in the room, have you ever lost something? You ever lost something? I'm just... I think people in the room are not being honest. You're not raising your hands at all. But how many in the room, you've lost something before? Come on, let's be honest. Let's be completely transparent. Some of you lost something this morning, right? Some of you lost something this morning. Some of you are looking at the person beside you and are thinking they lost their mind earlier this morning. Um, maybe you lost your mind on each other driving here to church, and now you're just looking for forgiveness from one another. Um, I just... Totally lost all confidence in my knowledge of apples. <laughs> and I'll confess to you all right now, my great uncle owns an apple orchard. And so I was fairly confident when we went to start that, and I won't even tell you what place I finished in. Uh, but if there was 62, it was very close to the bottom. But just earlier this summer, I lost my wallet. Anybody ever lose their wallet? Right? Right? And so I lost my wallet. I don't even know if Melissa knows that I lost my wallet because it was one of those things. You ever, let's be honest, we don't lose stuff. We misplace it, right? We just misplace it. So what you have to realize is I keep my wallet in like four different places, right? This is where it's always, I have two spots, one in each car. That's where my wallet stays. And I usually drive our Mazda. So I have this one spot and I'll be honest, I'm just banking that my wallet's still in the car. Like, I just, I leave it in this one little cubby hole, and I shouldn't even do in hand directions. You'll know where it is. And I leave it there, or it's in the, our, our escape, or it's at home on top of a shelf as soon as I come in the door. And if it's not there, it's in my backpack. So the moment I get into a car and go to drive somewhere, and I don't see my wallet, I'm like, oh, it's probably in the other car. Like, I don't panic. This time when I misplaced my wallet, there was zero panic. It was kind of like that, I just misplaced it. Now, the first couple days as I'm driving around and I re realize, like, I don't have a license. So any police officers listening, I found my wallet. But I was driving around for a while and I realized, like, I don't have my wallet, so I don't have my driver's license. And if a cop pulls me over, I'm hoping they'll do one of those. Well, here's your ticket, but if you come to the station, show us your license, then you'll be fine. And then I'll really have to go nuts and look for it, right? Because we all know when we think we just misplaced something, our effort is very low. Maybe just me. But I don't really look, so finally I check in my laptop bag, and it's not there. And I check in both vehicles, it's not there. And I look on the shelf, and it's not there. And I begin to realize, I don't think I misplaced it. I think I've lost my wallet. Now, if you're like me, when you lose your wallet, it's not like, I'm not worried about the cash in the wallet, because I barely ever have cash in my wallet. All that's in there, though, is like, 
I have my driver's license in there. I have my health card in there. Sometimes, I don't get upset. I, I have a mom already. My SIN card's in there. And so, like, all of who I am is in this wallet. I realize you're not supposed to put all the same stuff in one spot. I, I just do. And so, I now don't. And so, I'm starting to realize I might have to make some phone calls and start canceling some stuff. And then finally, uh, Miles, we go to play a baseball game, and we grab the cooler that we always take to the baseball games for Gatorade and water and stuff. And here is my wallet in the cooler. I blamed him. I'm pretty sure I got to the game, and I realized it was in my pant pocket, and I just dropped it in there and then misplaced it for a while. But if you're like me, we lose stuff. But when I found it, guess what I felt? Relief. There's actually a little bit of excitement there. There was a little bit of joy. Because I have to be honest, I think I lasted a week or so, and I didn't even inform Melissa because I didn't want to be, you know, how did you misplace your wallet? (laughs) Because here's my problem. You have to realize, my wallet, the reason I don't keep it in my pant pocket all the time is because I have like a George Costando wallet. And so, like, you can't really sit on it. If I sit on it in the car, my leg goes numb. And so this is how it gets misplaced. But when you, when you find it, there's excitement. What do you do when you lose something and then you find it? How do you respond? How do you respond when you find something? Right? There's a little bit of excitement inside. You're happy you found it. There's things that you treasure that when you lose it, let's be honest, we never lose anything we don't care about. Because you don't notice. We lose things that are important to us. And see, Jesus tells us a few parables about losing things. And as we jump into this series on the invitation, we're going we're gonna to talk to you about how Jesus uses invitations through a couple parables, how he invited his disciples into a walk with him, and how he used healings to send an invitation to people. And today we're going to look at a parable In Luke 15, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, we're going to be going through the chapter of Luke 15. It starts at verse 1, and it says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You have to realize, there's sinners and then there's tax collectors. They actually, the tax collectors, as we've talked about before, they were the traitors. It's not just that people thought they were sinful. They, they betrayed their own people. They took money from them to pay the Romans. But not only did they take money, they took extra for themselves. And a lot of times they took more for themselves and actually had to go to the Romans. So they lived a very wealthy life, but they were kind of uh, cut off and shunned because they turn their back on their own people. So here, Jesus is sitting down, tax collectors, sinners are going to sit with them, and the people who were upset with him talking and sharing the love of God with sinners and tax collectors, those who are away from God, are actually the religious people. It's us. Can I say it that way? Can I lump us in there? It's us. This is who are mumbling to each other. And then Jesus tells a couple parables. He tells a parable of the lost sheep. He tells a parable of the lost coin. And then he tells the parable of the lost son. And we're going to read through this fairly quickly this morning. We're going to read from Luke 15, uh, chapter 15, 11 to verse 32. So here we go. Jesus continued. 
There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he had began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed, for his, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father's but, when he, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. They were in Saskatchewan. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For his son, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattest calf because he has come back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look at these years. Look at all of these years. I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. Now, some of us, we know this story as we read through it, or maybe you've heard of the prodigal son or, or um, watched something or seen something online. But you've heard of the prodigal son, or maybe this is the first time you've heard it. But whether you've heard it for the first time or many times, we may not totally understand everything about this story. So what you have to understand about this parable is it's a parable. It's a story. It's an illustration. So as Jesus is talking about this, this story actually didn't happen. He's using it as an illustration to teach a lesson to the people who are listening. And Jesus begins these stories because the religious leaders are comments. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. See, the central message of the prodigal son or the lost son, depending what Bible, what translation you're reading, is this, that God loves his wayward children and longs for them to return. He longs for his children to return to him. The ones that have walked away, he longs for them to come into a relationship with him. 
So if you get anything out of today's message, if, if after today you walk out of here with just this, besides an apple fritter and cider, I want you to know that God longs for a relationship with you. He longs to have a relationship with you. See, in this story, the father, he represents God. And the younger son, he represents the outsider, the sinner, the person who's away from Jesus. The one that Jesus came to minister to, the poor, the sick, the demonized, the outcast, the sinner, the tax collector. The older brother, the older son, he represents the religious people. The ones who were in the crowd that were looking down on these outsiders. The ones who feel like they're in an elite religious circle. And so now that we have a little bit of an understanding of who the characters are and who they represent and who they represent in this room, which one are we? We're obviously not the Father. We're not God. Maybe one of us in the room, maybe many of us in the room, we're kind of the young son. We're the wayward one. We're away from God a little bit. I really hope that none of us are the older brother. The religious ones looking down going, why, God, why are you bothering? Why do we spend time with these people? I really hope we're actually more the hands and feet of Jesus in this story. See, we have to understand historically that Jesus is telling a story to a group of people that is just like to the scandalous size. To a size that would just is the worst story, the worst illustration. He pushes the limit. You know how when you're trying to make a point and you're like, I'm going to go to the extreme. This is what Jesus is doing. He's telling the extreme story. Because you have to understand in the first century Jews, they put a high value on respecting and honoring elders which is a good thing. We should honor and respect our elders. And so when he tells the story that this young man comes to him and says, I want my inheritance, and I want it now. What he is saying in his culture is, I hope you die. Dad, I wish you were dead. This is what the crowd is hearing as Jesus is telling this story. And then we need to see this story through the eyes of the audience who is sitting there. You're hearing, you're sitting there, you see sinners and tax collectors as they hear this story, and they're identifying with the younger son. And then the religious ones that Jesus is actually calling out. See, we have to realize that we've heard this story so much concentrating on the lost son. When Jesus didn't tell the story about the lost son, yeah, he talks about the lost lost son, but he was actually speaking to the religious people in the room. He was speaking about the older brother. But as we walk through this, we see this young boy, and we have to see that how much of a downfall he actually had in their culture. So he asked for his inheritance. He blows it all. He blows all of his money, and what they say in Scripture, wild living. What does wild living mean? You can think about it. And then all of a sudden, 
he has nothing. Nothing. He blows it all. He has nothing. And then for him to work as a servant on a farm, this is bad. See, where he grew up, he would have had servants doing it for him. He would have worked a bit, but they had servants. And then you have to understand, Jesus pushes it farther with his crowd. Because not only is he working on a farm, not only is he serving, not only is he out working, but he is working with pigs. Pigs. Now, I don't have an issue with pigs. I love bacon. But you have to understand that the Jewish culture culture considered pigs unclean animals. So for him to have to work with feeding pigs, he is now working with unclean animals. They wouldn't have gone near them. So this is the part where when his job is taking him to rock bottom, he's now at the worst of the worst that he could be. And finally, when he gets there, he decides it is better to be a slave and a servant from my dad than what I am doing now. I don't know about some of you. Maybe some of you grew up and you lived the, what I would call the best testimony that you can share, which is meaning you grew up in church. You were born on the front row. You lived your whole life in church. You went away. You went through high school. You went away to college and university. You got married to a Christian. And you're still serving God today. But for some of us in the room, that's not our story. And I tell you that that to me is the best testimony. Because you went through all the stages of life of peer pressure and never gave in. I think too often in churches, in Christian um, influenced Christian society, we praise the people who walked away from God for a time period and then miraculously came back. Don't get me wrong. I think that's a great testimony. That's my testimony. But when I talk to people and I hear that they have gone through all of those stages of life and they still serve God, I just look and go, how did you do it? That to me is a strong testimony. Now, if you're like me and you read this story you have, can recognize and, and agree or identify with hitting rock bottom. And I remember when I hit rock bottom, and I realized, wherever I was, no matter what I was doing, I didn't feel like I belonged. There was this inside part of me that, no matter where I was, what I was doing, what I shouldn't be doing, I didn't feel like I belonged. But for some reason in my home church, every Sunday, I would sit in the back row just over on this side. And it didn't matter how I felt or what I was doing the night before, how it made me feel in the morning or how I was behaving or where my mind was at. But I felt like I belonged. There was a sense of belonging. And here, this son goes, you know what? It's better for me to go back. So he heads back. And he decides to go home and confess to his father because he's completely degraded. He's got nothing left. See, the crowd that's listening to this story, they would be listening going, that boy got everything he deserves. Listen, look at the choices he made. 
Yeah, he's sitting in the pig slot because that's a choice he made. That's where he, he made that bed and now he's sleeping in it. Anybody ever hear that statement? Well, they made their choices. They made their bed. Now they're sleeping in it. I just let you know, when I hear that, I don't hear an ounce of God's love. I am so thankful that I don't have to sleep in the beds that I've made. I do help make our bed. So I'm thankful I sleep in that one. But aren't you thankful for God's grace in your life that he is willing to step in and help you every moment, every time? So he goes back. And as he walks close and his father sees him from a distance, his father runs to meet him. Now for us, we're like, that's not a big deal that the father ran. You have to realize and understand in biblical days, the father of the home, he's a distinguished patriarch of his house, never ran anywhere. People came to him. So the fact that he even ran the audience would be going, what? We don't run. And he ran to his son. The story shows us that this man didn't care about his dignity. He didn't care about what other people thought. All that overwhelmed him was his unbridled love for his son. And when he saw his son in the distance, he just took off running. And this is God's love for you. This is God's love for me. See, historically, this father's response to his son's remorse is so extraordinary. Culture would dictate that this son must earn his way back after shaming the family. But the father offers him unconditional forgiveness. The son doesn't have to do anything to receive forgiveness, but ask. Instead of just forgiveness and just being a slave, the father restores him to sonship. He calls for a ring and sandals. These are a sign of honor. Families would have a special ring. You think of in the movies where you see a king has a ring. The ring represents what family they belong to. And it shows, it shows everybody that sees it that there's honor, that there's a sonship, and there's an inheritance. It's all Restored. Then his father just doesn't put a robe on him. If you listen, the father asks for the best robe. Do you want to know who has the best robe in the house? Dad. Dad has the best robe in the house. So he yells to the servants, go get the best robe. And the servants know that's not just a robe. That's dad's robe. That's the patriarch of the family's robe. And they go and they put it on him. And then they kill the fatted calf. Now you have to realize that in this culture, meat wasn't eaten all the time. It was rarely eaten. So killing the calf is, again, a remarkable extravagance. Jesus is pushing the limit on this story. 
And you can hear the crowd listening. What? This is crazy. That kid needs to earn his way back. He doesn't deserve this. But see, Jesus came with an extraordinary, revolutionary message that God's grace cannot be earned. And it is freely and joyfully given just as the father gives to a child, just as a mom gives to a child. See, your children, you may not be pleased with every decision that they make, but your love doesn't change. I remember when we first moved here, I don't know if we were here about a year, maybe two, and all of a sudden Emma had braids in her hair, just like she actually has this morning. And she came walking downstairs, and her hair just looked a little bit different. And all of a sudden she got a little bit closer to Melissa, and Melissa just said, what's wrong with your hair? Miles cut it. Miles, you came back just at the right time, bud. Miles cut it, and Melissa began to cry. See, you think she's laughing over there, those shoulders are tears again. And as she began to undo the braids, the hair just keep coming out. He cut it at the braid. See, all the ladies in the room are beginning to identify, and they're like, ooh. So me, with my, like, understanding of hair <laughs> and appreciation of hair was just like, it'll grow back. Right, see somebody like, oh no, yeah, you never say that to a mom when her baby girl's hair just got cut off. But she began to weep and so she took her upstairs and, and we have great pictures of how much hair came out. And Emma just kept saying, well, I asked him to. And Emma just saw my notes this morning, and she's like, oh, are you using that as an illustration? I'm like, yes, I am. She's like, well, I did ask him. <laughs> Miles learned that we shouldn't always do what people ask us to do. Now, Emma went and got a great haircut at the grotto. You saw it in there. I recommend Jill's amazing. Go support local places. And she got an incredible haircut. It looked awesome. Um, but Miles, Miles and I were sitting on the couch as Melissa and were upstairs. And Miles is very quiet. And I just said to him, I said, Miles, I don't know why I felt led to say this to him. And I just said, Miles, you understand that we're not, we're not happy with what you've done, but we still love you. And he looked at me and he just went, really? And it shocked me. I'm like, yeah, buddy. He's like, you still love me? I said, buddy, there's nothing, there's nothing you could ever do that will stop my love for you. And so as Melissa came down the stairs, I just quickly got her attention because, let's be honest, still upset, still devastated a little bit. And so I quickly got her attention to be like, hey, Miles doesn't understand something. And she's like, what's that? She wasn't overly happy yet. And I just said, I'm like, he doesn't understand that we're not happy with what he's done, but we still love him. And so as Melissa and Emma went to get her hair fixed, Emma's hair fixed, Miles and I, we went out and we jumped into our swimming pool. And we wrestled and we threw 
I threw him around a bit, not roughly, like it wasn't a punishment thing. It was guys having fun. Just realized how that could have sounded. Uh, no, but we went outside. We had fun together. We laughed together. And I think some of you in the room need to hear this. Heavenly Father might not be happy with every decision we make. But his love has never changed. And he loves you the same today as the day you were born, before you were even in the womb. And there's nothing that you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to gain ground with him. He loves you in the pig slop that you're in. But he loves each and every one of us not to leave us there. He will run to you and hug you right where you're at. And then he wants to put the finest robe on you. He wants to put beautiful shoes on your feet. And he wants everybody to know that you are a son and a daughter of God. You're his children. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to love you. He wants to save you. He wants to draw you into his family. So as we start this new series on the invitation, and we look at how God, how Jesus invited people into a relationship with him, my question for you today is that will you accept God's grace? Will you accept his invitation this morning? He came that you and I may have a life and have it to the fullest, that you and I will have a counselor, the Prince of Peace, during the hard times. And if you want to accept Jesus' invitation into a relationship with him, then as we are about to pray a prayer together, I want you to make this prayer and confess it from your heart and step into a relationship or step back into a relationship with Jesus this morning. So let's pray together. Will everybody repeat after me? Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to love on sinners, to renew a covenant and relationship with you, to pay a price that I could never pay. This morning I confess that I have sinned and I need your forgiveness. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life and forgive me of all my sins and help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time or if you renewed your walk with the Lord, as we go to have some apple fritters together and stuff, will you just come and talk to me for a minute? All I, I just want to encourage you. All you need to say if you're like, I don't really want to get into a deep conversation, you can just walk by me and just say, hey, Chad, I said the prayer. And if you're online, I want you to email me at chad at bethelstratford.org. I just want to connect with you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. I want to encourage everybody in the room that if you are not connected to a small group,
I want to encourage you to join one today. This is where we connect with other people and do life together. We're starting a brand new series, so you can jump right in. You're not going to be behind on anything. And you can do it right now on your phone. You can go to BethelStratford.org under small groups, and you can get signed up right there. Don't wait. This is where you can get plugged in together and do life together and have just your support system around you. This is what it's for. Now, as we dismiss today, I just want to uh, give a brief couple instructions on how it's going to work. We're going to head outside. Uh, Pat's out there. They got some apple fritters for you and some hot hot apple cider. When you hand your ticket in, you'll get one of each. Um, At this moment, I apologize. She's catering for us. So even if you're like, man, that was good. Can I buy a dozen more? You can't today. You'll have to see her at the market on Saturday. Um, If you have a ticket and you're like, I don't want an apple fritter or apple cider. I'll take it. (laughs) I'm sure somebody around you will take it. Um, But if you just hand it in politely, grab one, enjoy it. It's incredible. And let's just show her how awesome a family of Christ can be. Amen? Amen? All right, God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you. Come back and check out next week's message as well.